You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Come on, ha ha ha. Come on, we just laugh at that arthritis in the hand. You know, God laughs. It says God sits in heaven and he laughs. And he laughs. And it's just, why don't we just join with him? We'll laugh with him. <laughs> Come on. I know it sounds a little evil, but that's what comes out of me. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Guys, do you feel that in the room? I mean, is there an awareness in anybody in this room right now of what Jesus is doing? There's a shift. There's, it started with this healing room. I know it. It started with this healing room when we began. We could feel the pleasure of the Lord on it. But not, not only that, I felt like it opening a door to something. And it was like God was inviting us into a level of glory that we haven't really seen in a sustained way for a while. Come on, what a great testimony. Yeah. Two people saying he's got to have tubes in his ears and then all of a sudden, nope, don't do it, don't do this. Come on. That's, that is Christian normal right there. That is normal Christianity right there. That's what it should look like every day of the week. All the time. Everywhere you go. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Oh, yeah, I feel it inside of me. I feel this thing of coming home. Who wants to come home to the superior reality of seated with him in heavenly places? not the seated on earth in earthly places. Who wants to come home? Who wants to come home to that superior reality? We're seated with him in heavenly places. It's so easy. It's so smooth. (coughs) Yeah, so good. It's a joy ride. (sighs) I don't know why we've accepted a Christianity that is boring. I don't, I don't understand it. If we live in a Christianity that's boring and then we want to share the gospel with people, it's kind of like we're saying to them, yeah, come join me in my depression. You want to? This is great. This is absolutely no fun and we're going to yank all the joy out of your life. Come join me. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. Come on, what if we were to live like happy, joyous believers? It's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, right? Come on, it's so beautiful. Are you with me? Come on. There's something with that. Laugh again at the arthritis in the hands. <laughs> Let me see your hands. Yeah. Anybody else got arthritis in your hands? All right, just laugh at the inflammation. Ha, 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 ha. Get out of here. Get out of here. Oh, it is. It's illegal. It doesn't belong. It's trespassing. It doesn't belong in the body of a believer. You've got the same resurrection Holy Spirit inside of you. That one that raised Jesus from the dead, you got it inside of you. It's not a junior Holy Spirit. It's not a separate Holy Spirit. Even Jesus said, when I leave, I will send another. That word another in Greek means someone exactly like me. Come on, isn't it beautiful? The fullness of the Godhead dwells inside of you. Come on, I just feel faith beginning to rise up in the room. There's something we were going to do this morning, but we're going to stay here just for a minute. Yeah, come on. The heart that is expectant for the things of God. 
will receive the things of God. The heart that is oblivious and is caught up in other things just doesn't get it. Revelation says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's not for unbelievers. It's for believers. Do you know that? We use that passage of Scripture a lot for unbelievers, and we say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and we say, This is for you. No, that is for believers. He's speaking to the church. I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on the door. Are we caught up in our Netflix? Do we have our surround system, surround sound system turned up too loud? Can we not hear it? I stand at the door and knock. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about glory. Again, I've been in a series on it. Two weeks ago, I got about halfway through the message and stopped. And I felt like I needed to stop, and I didn't understand it until after last week. How many here were, f- were here for Lindy Ann last week? How many, in here, how many in here heard God speak to him through Lindy or just heard in the room? Let me see your hand. Come on, raise them up high. How many in here got healed? Anybody get physically healed? One, two, three. Anybody else? Hold your hand up if you got healed. Let me count. One, two, three, four, five. Five, six people got healed. Come on. That's awesome. That's the glory of God. I define the glory of God as the tangible government of heaven. It's the tangible government of heaven. When the glory of God shows up, it's the government of heaven that doesn't exist in our minds or just in our spirit that you need spiritual eyes to see. It actually becomes tangible. When you receive healing in your body, it's the government of heaven. It's the glory of God being made manifest. And you're made for it. You and I are made for it. But there's something about stewarding it. I want to talk about that this morning. So Danielle's got a great testimony along those lines. So welcome, Danielle. St. Arbucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I passed my card back in and I said, I need you to buy, I want to buy this drink at the right time. And the Starbucks guy's like, 
<laughs> and so, um, so he comes back at me and he's like, hey, this total is this. Are you sure you still want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. Please. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know what? We all make mistakes. She's probably feeling really stressed out and really bad right now. And I just want to show her some grace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. right so good good danielle came in and shared that this morning and i was like that's exactly what i'm talking about so even if you don't hear me this morning hear that that's a practical way to steward the glory of god the word says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels and i think a lot of times in our life we're way too focused on the earthen vessel we're way too focused on it and what i mean by that is oh well i'm just not good enough i just can't or man i just i'm so messed up oh there's so many things going on in my life did you know that's pride that is pride at its core 
Pride is looking at itself. That's all it is. And you can look at yourself in a positive way or you can look at yourself in a negative way. It's still pride. Hello? You with me? You can still do that. It's still, it gets our eyes off of kingdom and the glory of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The focus should be the treasure, not the earthen vessel. It exists in us. We know our frailties. We know our brokenness. We know our challenges, but we have a treasure inside of us. I believe it's the glory of God because we're made for glory. We're made for it. We're made to live in glory. How many would say, I get it and I know it. I'm made for, I know I'm made for glory and I live in glory. You're made for it. Even if you don't understand it, you're still made for it. Trust me with that one, okay? Get in the word, look at it. If you don't trust me, you'll find it. You're made for glory. And the glory of God, it looks like something. Last week, it was wonderful having Lindy Ann here. We needed that. We really needed that. We needed that influx of some different flavor just of God coming into the room. It was so wonderful to see it. And I want that stuff, and I never want to run away from that stuff. It was fantastic. I don't even believe there is such a thing in Christianity going, well, we need to find a balance. We need to find a balance of teaching, and we need to find a balance of experience. I don't really believe that. I really believe the entire gospel is all about experience. But we don't teach so we have an experience. We have an experience and we teach our way through it. And there's a difference. And we're going to find out. I'm going to take us through some passages in the book of Acts this morning on how they steward, stewarded the glory of God. I want to see sustained revival. I don't want to see a flash in the pan revival. I don't care about that. I've seen that so many times. I want to see sustained revival. Church, listen, it does not happen with somebody else and then you decide to jump in on it. It starts in your own six square feet. It starts right here. What are we going to be most aware of? Bill Johnson says we will give off the kingdom we're most aware of. I love that story Danielle gave because all of a sudden she was aware of earth and then found herself going, I got to shift my awareness. I got to go back to kingdom. That's glory. That's what it is. That woman at some degree experienced the glory of God coming through another individual today. It's beautiful. It's one, that will change everything. Having, staying in the natural at that moment for Danielle would have not done anything for the kingdom of God. And it's not necessarily about buying the drink. It is, but it isn't. It's, that's part of it. But just being kind is okay, but man, we got to bring the kingdom with it. Hello? You've heard me say this before. Social justice without the gospel is just simply social justice. It doesn't do any good. It makes us no different than anybody else out there. We've got the kingdom inside of us. Yeah, it's all about stewarding what God has done. How many in here have had encounters with God? How many had one last week? Let me see your hand again. Good. All right. It's up to us to hold on to that. It's up to us to keep our minds set on those kinds of things. Paul tells us that whatever is good, trustworthy, of good report, think on these things. Not on what's wrong, think on what's right. Think on what God has done. It's up to us to steward it. I said a couple of weeks ago that I was, I'm not a real deep studier of past revivals, but I do read about them. And I find that nearly all of them end because there's not an adjustment made. And the adjustment that needs to made in, be made in any kind of revival has to be from, it, it usually will look at, oh, Jesus, let's, and that's right, look at Jesus, but then it all turns into Jesus' return, waiting for Jesus, waiting for Jesus. There's a glory train coming. <laughs> waiting for Jesus. 
when really it should have a mindset that shifts to a generation beyond us. If anything, I'm watching what happens at Bethel, and I'm going 18, what is it, 17, 18 years of this ongoing revival there, and I'm looking at it going, I think it's because, number one, it's not about a person other than Jesus. And number two, immediately, you can see from the beginning, they were looking at a generation beyond them to carry something. I see that. I don't, know, I don't know if I hear them, but I feel it. I see it happening in a generation. I see the way they train them. I see the way they look at their children, and they have expectation that their children carry the kingdom of God just as much. So when somebody gets prayed for, oftentimes it's the children that do the praying and the breakthrough happens. I'm not kidding. They do that. They've had people come in for prayer, and if somebody's not getting healed, they'll grab a kid and have one of the children start praying for them. And then the breakthrough comes. The healing comes. There needs to be a shift even in our own lives of what, what are we doing and how are we stewarding this glory that we're carrying here because it's going to have an effect. If we want to see it sustained, it's going to have an effect on the generation beyond us. I look at it with my kids. I think about it an awful lot with my kids. I look at where they are individually in their life and I go, okay, I'm looking for the God encounters in each of their life. In small or large, it doesn't matter. I'm looking at that and I'm going, yeah, I want to see that thing stewarded. I want to see that thing. I want to have conversations with them so that they don't forget and they learn a little bit more about the glory of God inside of them. Come on, does this help? The problem with adjusting our life to where all we want to do is go to be in heaven is we stop occupying territory. And I really do believe this. In the kingdom, you're either losing it or you're gaining it. I don't believe there's a neutrality. There's no neutral zone in the kingdom. You're either occupying new ground or you're giving it up. I want to occupy ground. That's why we came here. We want to see churches started. We want to see this city moved. We want to see it made incredibly difficult for people in this city to go to hell. Make it incredibly difficult for them. They're going to have to run. Because everywhere they go, the glory of God is just manifesting around them. Part of why, what we do is on Friday nights with OSSM students, that's what we're doing. We're downtown where the people are, and we're letting the glory of God come out and letting people encounter it. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. Here's what we need to do. Number one, live from the conviction that God is good all the time. Can I say it again? God is good. And all the time. All right, can we make this more than just a church saying? Seriously. When you say it, it needs to change something. It needs to come out of your mouth and into your ears and realign something on the inside. Realign the soul. God is good. And all the time. Is there ever a time God's not good? Ever. Can you think of anything? No. All the time, God is good. All the time. We have to establish this in our thinking. I'm telling you, I get challenged by this. I'm not speaking like this because I have it down. I'm speaking like this because I'm reminding myself. There's, I can walk out of here today, and I guarantee you I'm going to run into something that's going to put a challenge in front of me where I have to remind myself, going, God is good all the time. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm not hitting it. I'm not batting a 1,000 on this thing. But I do believe as we as a people come together, we can help encourage and inspire one another to remember that God is good all the time. All the time. Acts, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 9, of the increase of his government, there is no end, right? The increase of his government, there is no end. In other words, the kingdom of God, the tangible government of heaven, the glory of God should be increasing all the time everywhere we go. All right, take your Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to take you through a few chapters here. 
We know from Luke, I think we talked about this two weeks ago, we know from Luke that Jesus is leaving, he's ascending, he tells his disciples, go, go, preach the gospel, but he also said, but wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise from the Father, the power of God. Wait until you receive it. So here we have a group of people, they're hanging out, they're staying in Jerusalem, and this is key, guys, they are expectant for something they have no idea of. We know, because we see it through the word. We can look at it through a 2020 lens looking into history and going, yeah, that was the Holy Spirit. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They didn't know that. He had said, I'll send you Holy Spirit. I'll send you the promise of the Father, but they had no idea who that was. They didn't know what it looked like. Other than Jesus, they didn't know what they were waiting for. But here you have 120 people saying, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna expect that something good is going to come. I'm going to expect that since Jesus said he's gonna send another like him, that whoever it is, whatever it is that's coming is gonna be a good thing. I don't know if you're with me this morning. It says they were all in one accord. I like that word there, humathumadon in Greek. It's fun to say. It really means to rush along, rush alongside in unison. Come on, does that sound like the church? To rush alongside in unison, to stay together, that they're pursuing something? It almost has a musical feel to it when I hear that. They're rushing along in unison. We're all going in the same direction. And what's the direction? It's we're going after the promise of Jesus. Come on, what would it look like if the church wouldn't get caught up in their doctrine and their politics and just went after the one thing? Jesus. Jesus, it's you. It's the promise. All the promises that you have given are yes and amen. How about we pursue those things? And even if yours is different than mine, it doesn't matter. It's all connected to the person of Jesus. So here they have an assignment from Jesus. Stay, don't go. Wait until you get this promise, this thing that I've talked to you about. Then they get it. Acts chapter 2. Let's look at it together. They get it. Holy Spirit comes on them. Tongues of fire. Dude, how awesome is that? I mean, come on, really? How awesome is that? You don't even, they don't, we have context for it. They had zero context for it. They're sitting there praying and all of a sudden, dude, you got fire on your head. This is awesome, man. This is awesome. You're starting to talk funny and you got fire on your head. Yeah, that's God. (laughs) Come on. The religious spirit will look at it and say, that's a demon. The religious spirit will look at it and say, well, God's not in that. That's something's wrong with that. You hear what I'm saying? The people who are looking for God will always find God, though. They'll always find him. If you're looking for a demon, you'll find a demon. If you're looking for what's wrong and everything, you'll find what's wrong. Come on. I mean, how weird is that? All sitting in a room waiting. I don't know what it looks like. We don't have the full story here, but they're all sitting in a room waiting. All of a sudden, the sound of a wind enters the room. It doesn't say it was windy. It just says the sound of a wind. So if you can imagine it, they're all sitting there. Nothing's happening. Sound of a rushing mighty wind enters the room. Nothing's happening. I don't know about you. I'd be freaked out a little. All this starts happening, I'd be tripping. I'd be like, what up? <laughs> Flames. <laughs> what? Dude, speaking Parthian. Unbelievable. You ain't that smart. How did you do that? It does say of these guys they were uneducated men, right? They were uneducated men, but they had been with Jesus. Jesus. 
There's just something about that. They've been with Jesus, so all of a sudden the supernatural begins to flow. The supernatural begins to happen. You see it, you hear it. It's tangible. You feel it in the room. Holy Spirit comes on them. Everybody outside the room starts freaking out. Bunch of drunkards. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. These guys are half off their... What up, man? What is going on here? These guys are saying these weird languages. Don't you love this? I may have said this two weeks ago. I love it because anytime you see God do something in the Old Covenant that has profound effect on humanity, he always has an answer to it in the New Covenant, right? The day the law was given, 3,000 people die. The day the Holy Spirit comes, 3,000 people are saved. Come on. Tower of Babel. They decide to do their own thing, and it says we want to make a name for ourselves. God says, all right, let me give you another language. Boom! They all start speaking a different language, and they can't understand each other, and so they separate, which is what God wanted them to do. To, to separate, to go out. They came together. There's an answer to that in Acts chapter 2. Now God says stay together, and they do it. They're obedient to it, and he comes down and says, boom, I'm going to give you another language. Boom. And this time it draws everybody in. Come on, isn't it beautiful? There's always an answer to it. The mercy seat of God, this one moves me. Everybody know where the, where the mercy seat resided? On the Ark of the Covenant? Right? Ark of the Covenant, everybody know what I'm talking about, right? Ark of the Covenant, you have two cherubim on the ark facing each other with their wings like this and their faces looking down. And at that spot right there was the mercy seat of God. And it was at that unavailable place for people. It was put into the Holy of Holies and nobody can get to it. You know where the answer is? Day of the resurrection. Remember, disciples run into the tomb and they look and they see an angel at the head and an angel at the foot foot of it that became the new mercy seat and everybody can come to it there's always an answer there's always something there for us i don't does this help you at all there's an expectancy that grows inside of me with this i think about it and i go god man you're always doing something new it's not new but it's new it's not new to you it's totally new to me and when i have my heart set with that if i'm tuned in if you would if I got my frequency in the right place, then I can see what God is doing in a given moment. If I'm not tuned into it, he's still moving, he's still doing things, but I'm like, I'm way over here, you know. My football team. My baseball team. Nothing wrong with those things, you hear me. I'm just saying, where's my attention? Because I can get so into it that I miss what's going on. This week, uh, I went away with a few of the brothers here, and I don't know, there was two or three times it kind of broke out into spontaneous God awareness. And it was, it was glorious. It was wonderful. It was just nice being with people that want to tune in like that. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. And it was just, it wasn't contrived. It was just so natural and so easy. It just broke into this awareness of God. And what he's doing right in the middle of, you know, even a wonderful, we were in North Carolina, it was beautiful up there. But even in the middle of that beauty, it just went to a whole new level. I don't know, I'm just thinking, how do we steward that, our awareness? If we become like the disciples there in Acts chapter 2, where they say, I'm waiting for something, God, you promised it, I'm waiting for it, where is it, where is it, where is it, and then it comes. And then it comes, but it produced something. If you notice, it produced something. Look at chapter 42, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 40. 6 and 47. Continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, 
Oh, come on. What does simplicity of heart look like? Seriously. What does simplicity of heart look like? I don't know about for you. Simplicity of heart is starting to look a lot like all the cares that I have and the concerns that I have in the world for all kinds of stuff. Money. 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 <laughs> all those kinds of cares. When I come back to the simplicity of heart, it's like all of that stuff's like, it's going to be fine. Right? Is anybody with me this morning? Yeah. It's going to be fine. It really is going to be fine. They, they broke bread. They shared life together, and it was a simplicity of heart. It's just this thing of like, I'm not denying that there are things that are going wrong. I'm just denying them a place of influence. I'm not going to let them rule me. They waited. Holy Spirit came, and it started to have an impact on the city around them. Come on. This is what I'm looking at. This is this stewarding the glory of God. This is, I think, what it looks like. You wait for God. God shows up. And then the people around you start to get in on it, right? They weren't going out preaching the gospel at that point. It was just people hearing about this thing, and they were just coming in by the droves going, what is this thing? But it does something. Whenever the glory of God shows up, whenever it manifests itself, it will. Are you ready? It will polarize. Did I just say wheel? <laughs> it will. It, it will polarize. It will polarize people. In Acts chapter 2, it says that some were standing there going, mocking, right? Others were standing there when they heard Peter stand up and he gives this glorious message, which was a very politically incorrect message. He, he is. He's preaching a message and he's going, he's saying, the, the king and the author of life came on the scene and we saw it and we bore witness of it and you killed him. You killed him. That's not a very politically correct way to preach a gospel, is it? You killed him. Some of them hear it and they say, what must we do to be saved? And the other group is mocking. I'm just saying when the glory of God shows up, it's going to do that. It's going to polarize people. I believe that was the first wave of New Testament revival right there. I'm bringing this up because I'm looking at sustained revival and I'm going... Okay, we can learn something from the word, believe it or not. That's what the first wave of New Testament revival looked like. People waiting on God, the glory and power of God showing up, people's lives getting transformed, and it starts to affect the city around them. Look over to the next chapter, Acts chapter 3. Now, I can't read all of this stuff, so I'm giving kind of like my own paraphrase of it. I'm going to start with verse 1 on this one, Acts chapter 3. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A certain man, oh, and by the way, just to give a little historical context to this, uh, in Acts chapter 2 through about Acts chapter 5 or 6, each chapter is about a year apart from each other. So we can read this and think this is all happening like in a week or so. This is about a year on the time span. Acts chapter 2 happens. About a year later, Acts chapter 3 happens. About a year later, Acts chapter 4 happens, and then Acts chapter 5 happens, okay? So just keep this in context. This wasn't just a moment that was happening. This is a move of God that's affecting an entire culture. Here we have Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Come on. You want to know what the passive, apathetic church looks like? It's that right there. 
The passive apathetic church says, let me bring my friend who needs Jesus to church with me. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying don't do that. But if you have the expectation that the pastor or the leader or the evangelist or something is somehow going to do something that rocks their world, that may happen, but it's really not their job. It's yours. We can bring people to the gate and lay them there all the time. Hello? We can bring them to the gate and just lay them there and hope that they get something out of it, but it's not. It's not, that's not the appropriate way is what we see happening next. It says this, verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. Now this tells me something. This dude probably didn't know who they were. Because had he known what Peter and them were doing at that point, they'd have been, oh dude, glory. Glory just showed up right here. I don't think they saw it. I don't think he knew him. P- he, Peter and John, they come in. Here's what happens. They're about to go into the temple. He asked him for alms. And here's what happens. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Come on. Come on, let's put that into context of today. What would it look like if we were the kind of people that ran into somebody who needed healing, who needed God, who needed something, who needed the encounter, and you just got their attention, you said, look at me, look at me. I've got something for you. Come on, man. What if we had that kind of boldness? What if we had that kind of strength internal? Not that we're mustering it up, that kind of strength because we know that the creator of the universe lives inside of us. And we look at people and say, look at me, look at me. This is so wonderful because what happens in this story is he looks at him and he goes, I don't have anything to give to you, but in the name of Jesus, just get up. Get up, start walking. The guy starts walking, leaping. He's praising God. You know the story, the song, right? Walking and leaping and praying, right? (laughs) I'm showing my age there. The dude starts dancing around. People are freaking out. The Sanhedrin hears about it. And they're all ticked off. Sanhedrin was like the group of elders, about 71 elders, I think is what they were. And they were the ones that said basically what's right and what's wrong. They were the dedicated truth tellers of the day. The Sanhedrin hears about it. They drag Peter and John into the room and they're saying, listen, no more of this nonsense. I'm going to give you the paraphrase, okay? No more of this nonsense. We don't want to hear any more about this speaking in the name of Jesus and doing this kind of stuff. And it says that they threatened them severely. But they didn't do anything about it because everybody around was going giving glory to God because this guy was dancing, saying he's healed. They know this guy. He, was on, he couldn't walk. All of a sudden, he's, not only he's walking, he's dancing. Come on, remember? It's a joy ride. We go a little bit further. Look at verse 12. Now everybody's freaked out. So Peter saw it. And he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? I love that. Why are you looking at us? Because you just said, look at us. Look at me. Why are you looking at me? You get the essence of it though, right? It's look at me because I have kingdom. I have glory inside of me. I'm going to give that to you. Now when you get it, it should show you who Jesus is. Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? as if we, by our own power, our own godliness, mustered this up. Come on, does this help you? That's a good word right there. As if we, by our own power, or our own godliness, mustered this up. That's my own paraphrase. I, I, I don't have that inside of me. I've got glory inside of me. That doesn't make me more holy, more godly. 
It's just really the essence of the gospel. He's chosen to deposit this wonderful, phenomenal, cosmic power in an itty-bitty living space. <laughs> Is it okay? We're in Orlando. I can use Disney references. Okay. <laughs> All right. Look, on it, look over at Acts chapter 4 now. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. Okay. Good. Got three of you. Acts chapter 4. Here they're getting arrested. Because of what happened, they're getting arrested. Beginning in verse 13. Let's start here. Chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness, <coughs> excuse me, the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Come on, that's good, isn't it? How many have never felt so good when you read that? They were uneducated, untrained men. Yeah, come on, I can identify with that. I love that. I love that. Most everything I learned wasn't professional. It was because I was thrown into the deep end of the pool. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? You ever get thrown into the deep end of the pool? Our OSSM students know all about that. They know all about that. What, you never prophesied before? Stand up, go. Huh? <laughs> and all of a sudden it starts to flow. Why? You've got the same Holy Spirit inside of you. Come on, let's get off of our high horse of education. I'm not saying that's bad. I've got to give that disclaimer. Somebody's going to walk out of here and go, oh, he's anti-education. No, I'm not. Education's a good thing. I just think it works better when you educate after the experience than in order to get an experience. Look at Acts chapter 2. Peter didn't stand up and preach until the experience came, and then he taught from the experience. This is that, he says. New King James says, this is that. This is that. This is that thing that Joel talked about. This thing you all experienced right here, this isn't new. This is what had been prophesied hundreds of years ago. This is that. Come on, does that help? That's a lot different than trying to teach somebody into an encounter. Yeah, that was good, Andrew. <laughs> all right. Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with him, they could say nothing against it. Come on, right? Come on, little Sam. Little Sam, bless his heart, goes to two doctors, right? Now you can say all you want about that. The doctors can say all they want about it, but they can't deny he's standing there. Doesn't need tubes in his ears. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? That's about right. That's about all you say. Thank you, Jesus. There you go. There you go. It's... You know, here's the deal, guys. Don't misunderstand us in any of this stuff. We are never, ever, do I have your eyes and your attention? We are never, ever in this church saying that doctors are bad. Never. That's a God-given gift. God heals through doctors. I've been to doctors. There's nothing wrong with going to doctors. I just think we need to maybe run to Jesus first. Go to the doctor, but don't leave Jesus out of the equation. Don't say Jesus and then go to the doctor because Jesus doesn't do anything. Watch for Jesus in all of it. There's, there's something wonderful about that, just that right there. Second opinion, you can get a third if you want. I just, I love that because what that's really doing is confirming that this is a God thing, right? This is a God thing. It's not confirming that something is wrong. It's confirming that this is a God thing. Come on, you see the perspective, just a little bit different. It's a God thing. Yeah, well, yeah, I've got all kinds of proof that says this should have happened like this, but look, it didn't happen. This is Jesus showing up. But when they had commanded them, verse 15, to... To go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, 
that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so it spreads no further. Oh, come on. Religion will always find something wrong with glory. It always will find something wrong with glory. Glory manifested in its purest form, and religion will always say, we don't want this to go anywhere. There's something wrong with that. Just so it would spread no further, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in that name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, are you ready? Come on, this is like a bam, bam. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. They go to their friends. They tell their friends what happened. And they're severely threatened. How many of us would go through an encounter like that then run to our friends and say, man, you're never going to believe what they did. Can you believe that? Kind of like Danielle. Can you believe that lady hit me? Can you believe that? Or turn it around. They go to their friends, and their friends say this. Verse 29, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Come on, you got to love that. We just want enough glory and manifestation to feel gratified and encouraged, but Peter's saying, no, the very thing that caused the, the sharp attack to come, the very thing that caused the threat to come, God, give me more of that. The very thing that causes them to come after me, give me more of that. Now, this sounds good on a corporate level, but let me put this down at a personal level. How many, again, in here in this room had encounters with God last week? Let me see your hand. Show them. You had encounters with God last week. Okay. I guarantee you, you're going to come up against some kind of attack. It may not be from government officials. As we go on in time, that may happen. <laughs> it may not come from government officials. I guarantee you the place it's going to start is internally. You're going to start to question it. You're going to start to wonder, did that really happen? Hello? And then you, then you start slipping away from it. Instead of praying for more of it and saying, God, give me the boldness to run into that deeper. I want to go, there was an encounter. There was something that happened there. I want to go deeper into that. I can't live just on that. Remember what happens when we live in revival and take it for what it is? We live for just Jesus coming instead of living for another generation. What would it look like if all who had encounters in here began to grab it, began to run into it, and so they don't see it, but their children and their grandchildren get to live on what they experienced right here. Hello? Come on, are you with me? This is how we steward this thing. It's not just a flash in the pan. There is a movement. I want to get in on this. Anybody want to go with me? I want to move together in this. I'm looking at it internally, and I'm going, man, there's some things in my life i got to come back to. i got to come back to these things and say, I may look stupid. I may look dumb. I may sound like an idiot. I may sound even like a one-string guitar saying the same thing all the time, but I guarantee you, if I come back to that thing, I know what's going to happen. The glory of God is going to be sustained. It starts with us. It starts with you, Anthony. It starts with you, David. It starts with you, Jay. Roe. It starts with you. Spend some time talking to God and saying, God, where was it? Remind me of those places where you moved me to my core. 
Remind me of those times where you healed me, where you spoke to me, where you moved in such a miraculous way. Remind me of those things. As a matter of fact, Holy Spirit, take me back to the moment. I want to feel it again. I want to experience that again. I want to experience it, not just so I can experience and feel good. I want to experience it so I can learn. I need to know what this feels like again. I need to come back to this place again where you came and you rocked me so much to my core. Come on, are you with me? You rocked me so much. I want to live in that moment. I want to meditate in that moment. Shut everything else out and just live and meditate in that moment right there. I promise you it will begin to shift the way you think. Stay in that moment. Here these guys get threatened. But the answer is, I'll take more. Whatever caused that hardship to come, I'll take more of it. Yeah. I discovered there's a glory cycle. You want to hear it? Maybe this will help. There's a cycle to the glory. And it goes something like this. If I'm reading through these passages in Acts, there's a glory cycle. Here's the first one. Receive power. You got it? You get power, right? Because that's what they waited for. You get power. Then they use the power. Then after they use the power, they get threatened. (laughs) Then after you get threatened, you pray for more boldness, and then you get more power. You see the cycle? Usually for us, though, it breaks down in where we receive the power, we use the power, then we get threatened. Now, we may not be threatened from the outside, but we're certainly threatened from the inside. How many know you've got something inside of you that wants to fight against the things of God? That's where the threat happens. That's where it happens, right there. It's not somebody else, typically, it's not somebody else coming to you and saying, hey, dude, you need to chill out. You need to take that down a notch. Any good friend that loves Jesus wouldn't do that, right? Come on. It's usually an internal. It's the internal focused on the, on the earthen vessel inside. Ah, I just don't have it. It's not me. I can't do it. I'm not capable. I can't keep, I just don't, man, I really screwed up today. Man, glory departed. Do you know what? Even when you screw up, the glory doesn't depart. It doesn't. If you don't believe me, is, is Jesus and God, the Trinity, are they glory? Yeah, they, they are actually the producers of it, right? I mean, they, it comes, okay, didn't Jesus say, I will never leave you? Oh, so you've got the glory in you all the time. How you feel is irrelevant. My feelings need to line up with truth. Okay. The glory cycle. You might want to write that down. Receive power, use power. Get threatened, pray for more boldness. You feel internal threatened? I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh, God, I really messed up. Oh, I feel like the glory. Oh, Jesus, where'd you go? Jesus didn't go anywhere. At that moment, start saying, more boldness, God. More boldness. I want my earthly man to be shaken to its core. I want it to become so weak on the inside that I can't hear it anymore. Romans 13 says that if we make no provision for the flesh, we won't fulfill its lust. That's a good passage of scripture. A number of years ago when I read that. How many do I have with me right now? All right, I'm going to preach back there. (laughs) Romans 13 says, if we make no provision for the flesh, we won't fulfill its lust. Now, we can look at that and go, I don't want to drink. I don't want to, you know, look at pornography. I don't want to do this, that. Okay, that's fine. Look at that stuff. But the lust of the flesh isn't necessarily sinful things. Lust of the flesh is selfish. It's just self. Put on Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Let me give you a full scripture. It says, put on Christ, make no provision for the flesh, and you won't fulfill its lust. 
Put on Christ. It's a funny word right there. The word is in duo. You know what it literally means? Sink into. In other words, there's no effort involved in putting on Christ. I look at it like Jesus is a giant easy chair. And I walk up to it and I go, <laughs> sink into. Anybody have a nice chair you like to sit in because it's super comfortable? It's like Jesus. You can call it your Jesus chair now. You sink into it. You just sit in it. It's like that's how you put on Christ and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yeah. A long time ago, I was reading, just absorbing the word, and that passage of scripture came to me, and I don't know if I'll ever see it any different, but I see it so strongly like this. It was like Holy Spirit was revealing to me, Andrew, you have a vicious man-eating dog inside of your life. It's yourself. It's your own willpower. It's all those things that you choose that you think are so great about you. It's, you know, it's all that. That's the vicious man-eating dog. That's religion. That's your attempt to please God. That's performance. All of that stuff. That's the vicious man-eating dog. And he told me, he said, listen, it's on a chain. I've chained that thing. It doesn't have dominion over your life. But if you continue to feed it, yeah. that thing stays strong. And it might be on a chain and locked up in your life, but if you feed it too much, if you ever get too close to it, it's going to reach up and bite you. And I started to learn. It's like, man, the, the, the more I cease to feed that thing, it's like I, I saw it in a vision. I don't know if you're seeing this with me. It's like a dog. It's chained up. It can't do anything. It has no dominion in my life. But the less I feed it, the weaker it gets. And it gets so emaciated. It gets so weak that even if I accidentally get close to it, it has no strength to bite me anymore. It's not about sinning, guys. Hear me. It's about filling our mind with the kingdom. It's recognizing the glory of God. I can focus on not sinning, and you know what I'll do? I'm going to sin. If I focus on the glory, the sin seems to depart. It just, I hope this is tra you're tracking with me. It's what you feed. It's not what you deny yourself. It's what you feed yourself on. You don't understand, Brother Andrew, I need to take up my cross daily. Oh, yeah? What cross are you going to take up? Pray tell? <laughs> Seriously. Is there some other cross? Is there some other cross in life that you're going to take up? I mean, really, somebody please answer the question. What other cross is there? Galatians 2.20 said I was crucified with Christ. I was crucified with him. All I need to do is identify with that. There's the cross right there. It's not me anymore. It's not me trying to do the right thing. Come on, hello, are you with me? It's not me trying to do the right thing. It's not me trying to pray more, fast more, read more. Those are all great, they're fine, but you do it out of willpower, you're feeding that animal inside of you, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you're feeding that animal inside of you. You try to do it out of your own willpower. I don't trust my will any further than I can throw it. The only thing I trust my will for is to worship God. Why? Because that's what David said. Oh, my soul, my will, my soul, mind, will, and emotions, right? He says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. I bless your holy name. That's the only thing your will is good for. Just love God. Blessing, loving. Give praise to him. Give honor to him. Why? Because it's doing something inside of you. It's the best thing you can do with your will. You put your will focused on something like religion, on self-help, on self-getting better. It doesn't do anything. Come on, do I have anybody in your room with me this morning? It, it doesn't work like that. That is religion at its core. It takes the absolute essence of Jesus and the gospel and the finished work of the cross and it says, eh, eh, I need to do a little bit better. 
We somehow think that when Jesus said, it is finished, somehow in our religious minds, we turn that into him saying, now you owe me. (laughs) Hello? Oh, well, Christ died for me, I'll live for him. That's a wonderful t-shirt, right? Christ died for me, I'll live for him. Good luck with that, pal. (laughs) Seriously, you're going to live for him? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Christ died for me. It sounds great, but it's all self-motivated, religious, mumbo-jumbo crap. He died for me. I'm going to live. But I'm going to live through him, not for him. I'm going to live through him. I'm not going to live for him. Anything that I have to offer. It's like, I love what Dr. Gladstone said. He said this one time. I'll never forget it. He said, the only thing that pleases God is what he does himself. It's true. Did you know that? The word says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay, so I'm going to muster up faith. Ah, too bad. Sorry, did you know that comes from God too? (laughs) The only thing that pleases God is what he does himself. My life is not designed to be God met me halfway, now I'm going to finish the job. You can't live like that. It won't work. If I'm going to sustain revival inside, I've got to look at it and go, I've got to wait for the glory, expect it. Power comes. I use the power. Guarantee there's going to be an internal threat. And so I say, God, give me more power. Give me more power. And then I receive it. And then the cycle continues. Come on, is this helpful to you? I'm speaking to us corporately, but I'm hope I'm, I hope I'm igniting something individually inside of you. I really am. Don't look to me to start it. I got my own problem. <laughs> but I do want to encourage us. I want to inspire us. I want to provoke us into this thing. Start right now. Don't let your mind be consumed with where you're going to go, out of you, after you walk out of here, where are you going to get lunch? Oh, I don't like Chipotle. I would rather have Moe's. Or, come on, I'm talking right now. <laughs> All the haters be coming out. I give you the word, you don't say anything. I say Moe's, you're like, ooh. <laughs> I'm looking for an amen. Can I get an amen from somebody in here? Come on, glory, glory. I'm going to leave you with this. Some people have said things like this. Higher levels, higher devils. Eh. Can you go, eh? Can you see that? Higher levels, higher devils. Eh. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Yes, the, yes, the threat. There is a, a devil. There are demonic hordes that want to kill us. They want to destroy us, but I'm telling you, they do it by convincing us of something. I'm not scared of the demons that manifest and make furniture fly around the room. I know those are low-level demons. It's the ones I can't see that scare me. It's the ones that get in my head. It's the ones that speak to me like it's me. It's ones that have Andrew's voice going on. I'm, I'm scared of those. But I still don't believe that they have anything are you with me? Everybody pay attention. The demonic has nothing, nothing but the ability to lie. It says he's the father of lies. That means he's the originator of it. It didn't come from God. Everything else he does is mimicking God. Are you with me? All he can do is counterfeit something. The only thing that's original to Satan is lying. So when he lies and we believe it, now we've given him powers, power that he did not have before. So when people say, oh, Andrew, you're moving up. It's higher levels, higher devils. 
Yeah, I know the one, according to Colossians, who is the head of all principality and power, and I know that dude. That dude lives inside of me. Don't tell me about higher levels, higher devils. I believe you get to a point where the devil just can't go any higher because you've reached the head. Ephesians 4 says that, that we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so that we all grow up. We speak the truth in love, which is a lot different than loving to speak the truth, by the way. Christ. You know, when, even when people say that in a really derogatory way, I just agree with them. When they say, Jesus Christ, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find something here. Okay. You guys just hang out a second. Okay, are you ready? Here it is. Colossians chapter 1. I didn't plan on giving you this, but I think this is the word. I finally made it to the word this morning. <laughs> giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Come on, that's a good word. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. Church, come on, that's good news. He has reconciled all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. He goes a little bit further to say that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he goes a little bit further and he says this, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, are you ready? I don't think you're ready. You ain't ready. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He's in you. The head, all things consisting in him held together, and the dude that holds it together is right here. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. I am going to focus more on the treasure than I am the earthen vessel. Yeah. I'm going to live more focused with that. I'm going to look at every situation. God, help me. And go, God, you're in this. You're doing something right here. I want to see kingdom invade earth. I want to see heaven invade earth in this. And it's got to start in my mind. It's got to start in my heart. Hold your hands out like this. Yes, Jesus. Lord, I, I'm asking for big things, Jesus. Holy Spirit, what, if you could, oh, there's just words. I don't have words for this. 
I want Acts Church, Acts 2 Church, to be a place where people cannot get away from God's presence. They can't get away from it. They, can't, they walk in the room and they want to run out because it's so profound. That kind of presence, that kind of presence where God is so profound where it's hard to even look up, it's hard to stand. Glory in the Old Covenant, kabod, means weighty, heavy presence. You ever felt that kind of presence where you can't stand up? That kind of presence? Like what was happening last week when people fall to the ground? People ask me, why do people fall? It's real easy. They can't stand up. It's that kind of glory, that kind of stuff. God, I'm asking for that. I'm, I'm right now. I want today, October 8th, to mark something. I want it to mark something where we look at it and go, it changed. It shifted right there. It started with those healing rooms, and we're going for it more, but something shifted right there, and we begin to look at it and go, the glory of God is inside of me. I can change atmospheres. I can change culture wherever I go. And if I get threatened outside or inside, I'm going to say, God, give me more of that. Give me more of that thing. Anybody want to go with me? Well, let's do it together. Let's shift our awareness starting right now. And Holy Spirit, we know that you're the one that guides us into all truth. So whatever that looks like, we're leaning on you. Holy Spirit, we're leaning on you. Fill us right now. Fill us right now. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us right now. Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but you see it happen again in Acts chapter 4. I'll take more. I'll take more. Come on. Come on. Come on. Put your hand on your belly. Word says that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Rivers. He was speaking of Holy Spirit when he said that. John 7. Out of your innermost being, rivers of living water is going to flow out of it. I'm declaring right now, wherever your life has seen death and destruction come out, I'm declaring rivers of living water right now. I'm speaking to it. Rivers of living water. It's got provision in it. It's got life. It's got hope. It's got resolution, restoration, reconciliation. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, right? It's all that stuff that comes out of it. I'm praying right now that it all begins to come out of you. Come on, I know we're running a little late here, but I don't feel like we're done yet. Yeah, put your hand right there on your belly. Hold it real tight. See if you feel something. You feel something changing? Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Maybe you put your hand on your belly and you want something to decrease. <laughs> Just ask for increase. Come on, increase, increase, increase. Rivers, not river, rivers. Multiple. I believe that's God showing his manifest glory through multiple places. Yes, God. Yes. Yeah, man, even as we're doing this, I'm, I'm feeling somebody getting healed right now of IBS. Right now, you're getting healed of IBS. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Prayer teams, go ahead and make your way up here.
we're going to close this thing, but if you need somebody to agree with you, that's what these people are up here for. You need somebody to pray for you for healing. You just want to somebody to agree with you that you're going to this manifest tangible the glory, which is the tangible manifest presence of God, government of God, government of heaven. You want to feel it. You want somebody to just agree with you that, that it's going to come on you. Just don't run away yet. Just get yourself up here. Let somebody pray for you. Just agree with you. It's real simple. It's real simple. Yeah. And one last thing, and we're going to end. Everybody just repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus. get me. Jesus. Get me good. All right. I bless you all. Bless you all in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.